Hello, everybody. This is Bala here once again. Uh, this is uh, 6.15 in the evening. I'm coming to you from Bergen, Norway. And this is uh, Sunday. Uh, let me tell you the date today. Today is the 23rd of uh, Sunday uh, evening, 6.15. Um, and this is the next in my podcast series. And this time, as with every week, I have someone really special. Uh, this time, the reason for speciality of this particular guest is that uh, this person has been uh, my childhood friend from a very, very, very long time. So we know each other so well. So um, let me ask the guest to introduce himself and then we can uh, discuss about some unique perspectives uh, this person has. And I'm sure you all would love to hear. Over to you, uh, over to you, my friend. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Ramachandran. I have the same background basically as Bala, born and brought up in Chennai. Went to the same school, played the same games, ate the same food. Literally, <laughs> I ate Bala's food every day. <laughs> yes, that is correct. And, and, you know, I can say that we really ate the same food. <laughs> and, uh, you know, went through the same progression as, you know, attempting for IIT and not getting through and then getting into an engineering college, getting into Anna University, then, uh, you know, doing my master's degree, going abroad working abroad for a few years and then, you know, I had enough of it, came back to India a few years ago and now I've settled down here in India. Amazing. In Amazing. And you also have a unique uh, sort of uh, a trainer skill set as well, right? Why don't you talk a yes. little bit about that? Yes. Uh, my field of interest, even though my profession is not that, my field of interest is how to train animals, including the human animal. <laughs> So I, I study extensively learning theory and what causes behavior, what stops behavior, what is reinforcement. Obviously, behaviors are driven by reinforcements. So I keenly study that. And I also keenly study ethograms, which means that what are all the behaviors an organism exhibits and what are the good behaviors that we can amplify and what are the bad behaviors that we can attenuate and things like that. These kind of things interest me. I train dogs primarily, but I have also trained some elephants for the forest department. And I try to train them. The only human I try to train is myself. <laughs> I don't use that on anybody else. <laughs> so think about that, guys. This guy has trained elephants. How many of you have ever interacted with an elephant trainer? And I know he, Ramcha, as we fondly call him, He's also very modest. He's one of the, I would almost call it the world's top, I don't know, if not top 10, at least a top 50 dog trainer. He has got multiple awards. His dogs have won multiple competitions. He's well known around the world. His YouTube channel, how many people, how many uh, people follow you or how many views you got in your YouTube channel, Ramcha? Views, are, views have crossed 8 million or something like that. That, think about that. He has got 8 million views in YouTube of for his all dog training videos. It's phenomenal. You know, he believes in uh, uh, what he calls it as, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, Ramcha? Like, you don't uh, you don't punish the dogs, right? Like, you don't give any pain on them. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, I believe in scientific dog training. Yeah. So, let us not get into the ethics of it because that gets into politics. But as I mature as a trainer, as my skill sets grow, I realize that punishment has long-term effects, which I do not desire. So just from a purely operational standpoint, 
I do not use punishment. There you go. Leave on the ethics of it. Yeah, and we we this will be a separate podcast on that, guys. You would love it. Or I would suggest uh, dog lovers here. Uh, I will send the YouTube link after this. Go and check out his channel. It's just unbelievable. And he's a, he has done some amazing things for dogs. Uh, but anyway, for today, for this podcast, I want to talk uh, something completely different uh, about Ramcha's journey in his life. And there's a lot we can learn. Um, and you will all realize soon that one thing about Ramachandran is that whatever he does, he goes deep. He goes really deep. He understands the topic. He studies books and podcasts and you name it. And then he has a God's gift of uh, not only going deep, but able to explain it in a very beautiful way for people who don't, who haven't gone deep. And that is why I brought Ramachandran into uh, uh, Ramcha into this uh, podcast. And you will uh, you will soon appreciate what I'm saying right now. So with that, Ramcha, my second question to you, uh, you gave a little introduction about your life. Um, also talk a little bit about, uh, you know, as you look back at your life, uh, what was one of the biggest challenge you had uh, sort of to okay. set up this conversation? Before we enter into that really serious topic, I am reminded of what Albert Einstein told. He said that if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, it just means that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you know something really well, then it's easy to explain. Having said that, uh, I, when I look back at my life, it's been kind of a normal life, but with uh, one uh, one big thing that has been bothering me ever since I had consciousness. Namely, you know, I could feel myself as a person, as who I am, which is being overweight and obese. And I have struggled with it on and off for uh, right from the age five all the way up to age uh, 18. And then for a few years, I was okay. And then it came back. And then from almost age 32 till age 45. Uh, not only that, uh, these things, uh, obesity also causes other health problems, right? Like uh, blood pressure and uh, fatty liver. And uh, it was so bad. My blood pressure was so high that I got rejected uh, from, from my job. So uh, then I had to prove to them that there was no problem with my heart or kidneys. And then they accepted me for the job. My, so oh my God. it has been a big problem for me ever since I remember. And give a sense, Ramacha, if you're comfortable uh, sharing. When you say obesity, what do you mean? Like, what was your peak weight uh, in your life? If you're Forget about me. I'll come to my peak weight. It, is 100, it was 134 kilograms wow. at I, one point. And that is in pounds okay. how much it is? Uh, I think it is 285 or something like that. I am 183 centimeters. Okay. So you had so a... That is six feet and a little bit. And you had a peak, uh, BMI was about 30 or something, I guess, right? Uh, more than that. More than... What is worse is, when I was maybe 15 years old, I was already 91. Yeah. So, that is a, not only is it a health problem, it is a problem of just a child not being able to experience the world as a child should. Correct. Like confidence That's and all that is gone. Psychological issues. That is right. That is right. Like self-confidence is low and those kind of things. Correct, Ramacha? Yes. Yes. And what happens is the child tends to compensate for it by mentally remapping their priorities, what they they think they can receive without objecting and all that. It's not a good place. But just like how a handicapped person will adjust his walking style 
to walk in this world, which is meant for people with two legs, an obese child will exist in this world by adjusting, but that's not natural, it's not healthy in the long run. And I realized that as I grew older, because I started questioning myself, why am I thinking like this? Why am I not acting normal? Why am I not being positive? Why am I being defensive? And when I really delve deep into myself, I, I found out that, hey, these are problems that were planted into me when I was really young. And now they've grown into big trees. Yeah, no, I totally see, hear that and understand that. So now let us fast forward, Ramcha. So that was like, you know, you, you, you were at a peak, whatever time it was, 135, 280 plus pounds, uh, yeah. six feet, one inch tall, BMI of well over 30. And uh, where are you right now? Let's uh, like, let's cut to the chase. Where are you right now? Right now I am 91 kilograms. My goodness. That is a whole, what, 40, some 45 kilograms of reduction, one third reduction. Is that, am I saying this correctly? Yes. And yeah. how's your health, like that. how's your health stats right now? You talked about the various health issues and all that. How is it right now? My, okay, just my doctor just told me that he has never seen a blood report like that in his 20 years of practice from a good perspective, like a good blood from report. Okay, there are many things that were really wrong with me. First of all, my blood pressure, right? Right when I was, okay, I have to tell you, I was in engineering college and there was a blood donation camp and I went to donate blood and the the Lions Club said that your blood pressure is too, too high, I cannot accept blood from you. This is when I was uh, 21 years old. So right from that age, my blood pressure was sky high. Now it is below normal, below what is considered average normal. So my blood pressure is gone, my cholesterol is gone, and uh, my HbA1c, which is, I don't know how many of you know what HbA1c is. My HbA1c is 4.1, which is really low. We will come, my average we, blood sugar is about 71 milligrams per deciliter we will, for the past three months. We will come to that, Ravcha. I want to actually uh, double click on that a little bit. This is, uh, first of all, congratulations. And uh, viewers out there, just, uh, just I want to put that in context, right? Here we have a person who is my age, you know, we are best friends from childhood, who is in his peak health when he is nearing 50. You know, we are 48, 47, 48 years of age right now. Peak health. And this person literally reduced one third his size. And he has just got phenomenal. So there is something to this journey. That is why I brought him to, as a special guest. And I want all of us to listen because health is wealth, as we all know. And, uh, you know, it's not about just weight reduction. Weight reduction is just a metric. No, who, I mean, it's not about weight, weight, weight as a weight. It's about what is it that is humanly possible and what is it that we need to be doing in a scientific way. And as I said, Ramcha believes in going deep. He goes deep, you know, to get there. So that is what I want to talk for the rest of this podcast, Ramcha. So let us, uh, you know, peel this layer one by one. Okay, let us start with uh, when you think about this journey of your, you know, fitness going from really bad to, let's say, where you are right now, which is really good. What all things you did that did maybe marginal improvement, something worked, something didn't work. And finally, what what really worked? Why don't you just uh, open up and, uh, you know, let us into that thought process, please. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what doesn't work right off the bat. Doing nothing doesn't work. <laughs> okay? So do something. It all builds up. Even your mistakes. 
I have done almost all the mistakes in the book. If there, were, there was a list of all the things you are not supposed to do to lose weight, I have done all of those things and yet they help me in one way or another in my journey. Yeah. So I'm, uh, it may sound a little bit uh, new age-ish or philosophical, but the truth is the worst thing that you can do for yourself is just accept that this is how things are going to be. Okay. Do something, okay? So anyway, let me start from the beginning. So initially, you know, when you're fat, people always say you eat too much. Oh, Ram, Ramcha, you eat too much. No, I used to eat too much as well. I used to eat three cream buns, just with this guy. <laughs> the guy I'm talking to right now at Benson Bakery in uh, Shastrinagar. By the time he eats one, I will eat three, right? So it's true, I ate too much. Uh, but then I started to attack the problem from the outside because I'm fat outside. So let me do the usual thing, you know, eat less, work more philosophy. Uh, it, it, I had a very simplistic approach to the problem. So I thought, you know, I will start running. I'll start jogging. jogging I'll start, uh, you know, jumping rope. Uh, I'll do push-ups. I did everything and yes, the weight reduced. No problem. But it was like pushing uh, an air bladder into the water. Mm -hmm. I had to hold it in there. The moment I, I relaxed, the thing came back up. Yeah. And what happened was, during this process of me trying to constantly play this calorie game by expending more calories, there was a lot of wear and tear on my body. So this is the first layer I want to peel. So the next layer was, okay, how about changing the things you eat? Why not just change the things you eat and maybe that will make a difference. So that I tried for a while and that also got me to a particular point. It was much better than the first approach, but I found out that even that approach has some limitations because <clears throat> I'll come to the because bit later on. So what I did was, okay, I, I started eating less. So let me eat less of curd rice. Let me eat less of uh, the sugary uh, sakkarai pongal, which is our traditional summer yeah. uh, uh, dessert. Yeah. Let me eat less of this. Not only did it make me miserable to eat less of it, but also it did not get me what I desired. So from working out, initial plan was to work out, then add to that reducing portions. Okay, That got me somewhere. But that did not get me to where I wanted to be. So then I started changing what I what I put into myself. So then I became vegan. And when I became vegan, I thought, you know, when you are a new convert, you become holier than the Pope, right? New convert. <laughs> so what I did was, okay, I avoided all sorts of milk, uh, meat. Of course, I never ate meat, but milk, eggs this, that, and the other, and I thought, okay, you could eat all kinds of grains uh, in any quantity you wish, and you could lose weight. Yes, I lost weight, but that too got me to only a certain level. Yeah. The reason why I keep coming back to the same point that it got me only to a certain level is to emphasize another point. If you are really bad, like me, at 134 kilograms, any little thing will help. Correct but it will not help you reach where you want to go. So you have to be willing to change your plan. 
Okay. So anyway, finally, five, six years ago, I started to understand this thing called insulin. So before and you what... get there, before you get there, Ramcha, because before you get to that insulin, I want to have a few questions on the, the, the various things you tried out with various uh, sort of layers that you peeled. Few questions okay. I wanted to ask you there. The first one is uh, from a. You said that when you are in, a, you know, people said you're obese and eat less and that type of stuff. Um, from a person who has been obese from childhood, is that something that uh, you know uh, put undue pressure on you? From a society telling you to eat less or you know that type of stuff. Well, you, you have one of two reactions. You, have, you either uh, feel bad about you or yourself thinking that, you know, you have a personal uh, shortcoming or a personal failing, or you feel aggressive towards the society and you tell them to go climb a wall. I see. So that was, right? that was definitely there. So that kind of an internal yeah. resistance you know was why? there. You know why? Because their advice does not work. Correct. Had their advice worked, had their advice worked, I would have been very grateful to them. Correct. So that kind of an internal passive resistance starts building up, I guess. The more people say, the more you kind of say, what the hell, they don't understand my problem. They're just uh, saying, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. That's why I always tell fat people never take advice from anyone who has never been fat. I know. That's a great way of saying that. Uh, the second question on your various layers that leave, uh, you said, you you mentioned that you started working out well as well, right? So yes. uh, can you throw some light on what when you say working out, what all things you tried and you did? Okay, so I what, what any young boy wants to do, he wants to be strong like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that, you know, you'll be the most attractive to women and all that, you know, God. Uh, how dumb I was thinking uh, <laughs> that, but that's a different that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> not even story. Okay, so I, I go to the gym. I, I you know do push-ups, do squats, do uh, parallel bars, then run in the beach sand, do everything that Rocky Balboa does. You know, climb up stairs. Got you know, it. All that was missing was the background music. Thinking <laughs> that. You know, by the end of the song, I would have achieved what I wanted to achieve. <laughs> then I went to the U.S., took um, professional lessons from an Olympic swimming coach, and I got so good that I even won some uh, local competitions at the YMCA swimming pool in Ithaca, New York. So it was not like, you know, I was bad at swimming. I when I, Here's the thing. Whenever I did any exercises, I really got good at it. Yeah. But that didn't amount to any change in my physical structure. So I became very strong lifting weights. I became very good swimming. Then thanks to Bala and his inspiration, I started running. And there was a point when I could jog for 18 kilometers barefoot. Yep, that's correct. I could jog from all the way from RDR all the way to Atakati, which is a climb of about, uh, I don't know, maybe about uh, 1,700 meters. That's like in, that's like five thousand feet of climb. <laughs> yeah, in nine kilometers, I I could do that, and I have Everested uh, four times, uh, Valparai from from all the way from my farm to Valparai. I have gone up on my bicycle so much. I hope the cuckoo clock is not bothering. Okay, yeah. I've gone up the the mountain so much that it amounts to climbing Everest some five or six times or some crazy thing like that. Yeah. I have ridden my bicycle for 20,000 kilometers 
in two years. So, I can squat 110 kilograms, eight repetitions, no problem. I can deadlift 180 kilograms, three repetitions, no problem. Yeah. But all this amounted to nothing. Right. So the point I wanted to bring that up is for the viewers, uh, it's not, I mean, what Ramcha did, as, as you can see, he went, whatever he does, he goes deep, as I said. So when he picked up bike cycling, he talked about 20,000 kilometers of cycling in some, I don't know, two, three years. He has climbed two years. Two years. He has yeah. biked up a mountain, uh, like a nearby hill station near his, uh, you know, uh, native place. So many times that the total elevation he has done in, in that two years is almost like multiple Everest uh, elevation. W what I wanted to say to my viewers here, though, is that you're talking to someone who has done everything physically like what traditionally what people would do but even with all that rancha before you talk about that last layer that you want to talk about which is an important uh, crux of the sort of this podcast where did your weight and your fitness come from that 135 to where where was the stopping point of your weight if weight is the metric of your fit fitness that is yeah weight i wouldn't say weight was the metric of my fitness but i was obsessed with not looking good you know as much as shallow as it sounds, I wanted to look good in my life. Yeah. So uh, every time I look at the mirror, I don't like the person I see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Right? So I wanted to get to a place where I look at the person in the mirror and think, okay, that is a normal guy. Okay? So if I had been really thin and if I had still weighed 134 kilograms, I would not have been bothered at all. It's just that I didn't like the way I looked. Okay, so I have to be very honest about it. No, absolutely. Thank you for that honesty, Ramcha. Always be, uh, that's something I love about you. So, but uh, just to answer my question, so where where were you before you started the last uh, uh, layer that we want to talk about? Where was your okay. weight at that time? Okay, my weight was at 108.5 kilograms. The recent high I had was 108.5 kilograms and moving up rapidly. Got it. And this is what time frame you are looking at here? November 16th, 2019, I was 108.5 kilograms. November 16th, 2019. Wow, that's just recent. Like just about three, four months earlier, you were about 100, yes. call it 109 kgs, which is, I don't know, in yes. pounds wise, if you have to look at it, that's like uh, 200 pounds is, uh, 100 kgs is 220 pounds. Another uh, 30 pounds. Yeah, another 22 pounds. So 240 pounds. pounds. You were just three months ago. And now yes. you are saying you were 90 kgs, which is like what? Uh, nine, it's about 190 pounds. So you, yes. you like lost 50 pounds in the last three months because of this fifth uh, layer that we are going to peel right now. I just want right. to lay the context for people. And so let us talk about this layer, Raja. Let's focus on that. Tell a little bit about this layer and then we can go deep into this layer. Okay. So you know, I think again, uh, it was Winston Churchill who said that man tries every other option till he is forced to try the correct option. <laughs> so people tend to do all the wrong things even though the right thing is in front of them because the right thing they think is uncomfortable. It is just their mindset. They are scared of the, of the right thing. Okay. Of course, I'm, I hope I don't sound like I'm preaching from a soapbox or something. Uh, it's just my, my personal experience as to what I went through. Okay. So 
after doing everything that i did i realized that i had to hold that bladder air bladder into the inside the water forever and it was it was a a herculean task to do that it makes your life stressful yeah so during this but i i will never give up that is that is my <laughs> my nature i would rather die trying than to just you know give up yeah so if i had to hold that bladder underwater for the rest of my life i would be a miserable person and still hold it down that's a different issue okay but having said that i came across uh, this information about how insulin of course i knew this bala here is the thing i knew this 4 years ago it's not new to me i was just too scared to try it okay so okay so what happens is uh, this this final layer of insulin control is what changed my life so dramatically in such a short period of time okay so i want to interject a bit let's because we have couple of doctors obviously but large uh, you know audience here let's just assume that they just heard the word insulin so why don't you like kind of go and assume that we are all 6 year olds and just explain in a, in your own ways the mechanics that is happening right now okay so there are many hormones in our body and hormones are kind of the choreographers of what happens in our body okay just like how if if someone gives you chloroform you are going to faint it doesn't matter how strong willed you are it doesn't matter how many times you have climbed up a mountain that chemical is going to act the way it is going to act that is the law of nature Yeah. similarly our body also produces its own chemicals called hormones and these hormones determine how your body functions and one of the the most important hormones in our body is insulin and the main purpose of insulin is i i would request the listeners to listen carefully to each and every word i'm saying yeah because we tend to think that blood sugar is bad blood sugar is bad too much blood sugar is bad but insulin is also bad for us since blood sugar is is quite dangerous to the body the body creates another equally dangerous thing to push this blood sugar into the cells or to push this blood sugar away from the blood so that it goes either into your muscles or into your fat tissue okay, okay? so uh this insulin so this chemical is insulin yeah this chemical is insulin and when you have too much of it that's it you're screwed can i say that word yes but why do you say that i'm i'm, I'm trying to understand why too much of insulin okay. is bad because the sole purpose of insulin is to move energy from your blood stream into storage locations and you have only so much of storage location that can take nutrition in form of sugar that itself is not good but when you have even more nutrition what happens is it starts pushing it into your adipose tissues namely fat tissues okay and then what happens is that gets full right because if you eat two pizzas let's say that you eat two pizzas i am not saying that pizza is bad or anything let's not get into that just from a calorie point of view if you eat two pizzas and you have enough nutrition for two days and on the third day you are having one more pizza now where will it store it will not store it it has no space to store it right so what your body will do is it will produce even more insulin to push 
that energy harder and harder into your adipose tissues because already your liver and muscles are full of sugar. Okay. And so what happens is, if you keep on repeating this behavior over and over again, your body becomes insulin resistant. What that means is your body has to scream with insulin. It has to scream at the cells, come please take this energy and it has to scream even more the next day and even more the next day until it finally gives out and then you become a diabetic okay so so let, let's let's uh, let's double click on this so you'll say that there's a lot more insulin in the in like over insulin in the blood the idea because there's a lot of energy needs to be converted into fat and it is already converting okay what what's the problem with this I mean, the fat can be used again, isn't it? Or is, uh, like the fat can be used again only if you give it an opportunity. If you give the body an opportunity to use it, but you never do that because uh, when I say you, I mean Ramachandran. Okay, I'm not talking to anybody else who is listening. I never did that because I kept on eating three times a day, and huh? every time I eat, my insulin spikes up, right? And after it goes up, it takes a long time to come down because it's a natural process. Exponentially, it will decay. And by the time it decays, I'll have to eat one more. I'll be eating one more time and I will spike the insulin. And there is a twin brother for insulin called glucagon. Okay. Okay. And this glucagon is also produced in the same pancreas. But he's a shy, weaker brother of insulin. So when insulin, the big brother comes out, he goes into hiding. Glucagon. Glucagon has the opposite function of insulin. Insulin's purpose, insulin's function is to move energy from the bloodstream into storage. So when there is more blood sugar in your blood, insulin will move that blood sugar from your blood to storage. Glucagon does the opposite. When there is blood, less blood sugar in your blood, what glucagon will do is it will move energy from the storage into the bloodstream so that your organs can get the energy it needs to function. Yeah. So for you never give an opportunity for this glucagon to even come out. Why? Because you keep spiking the insulin up two, three times a day. And by the time it decays to a level where glucagon has an opportunity to even come out, again you eat. So, or you're saying that if insulin is present in the blood, glucagon is not going to be active because glucagon thinks that anyway there is enough energy in the blood, why should I get more energy out of the cells? That's really what exactly. it is thinking. Exactly. And th this is the evolutionary uh, mechanism, you know, there is no really inbuilt intelligence into this. It's, it's just how those chemicals function. Got it. So if I have to simply put it in a simple way, I mean, doctors will say it in a different way, but as a running coach, when there is an insulin in the body, in the bloodstream, there is a tacit understanding by glucagon that hey, there is already enough energy in the blood, so let me go to sleep. Only when the insulin yes. is not there, glucagon wakes up, the shy brother of insulin wakes up and starts converting the fat to the sort of the energy. That is, high, that is the idea of reducing weight, I'm assuming. I'm putting back into our obesity discussion. Uh, okay, so before, before, let, uh, before we go into that weight aspect, Bala, yeah. I will tell you one, one important thing which I would encourage all your listeners to go and verify. Please listen to what I have to say carefully. Insulin itself is toxic. Okay. Forget about blood sugar. Yep. Insulin itself is not good for you. So if you have any doubts, there was a beautiful uh, doctor called Dr. Kraft. 
he did so many autopsies on young soldiers and found out that hyperinsulinemia causes damage to kidneys and heart what is hyperinsulinemia having too much insulin in your body got it so that is the idea behind the insulin resistance also the body requires more yes. and more insulin to do the job of a normal volume of insulin that uh, is not sufficient because the body is resistant right now that's what it means yeah the body is resistant because it is like stuffing a room with uh, more and more junk yeah like your suitcase right if you put too many things in your suitcase you can't close it then you sit on top of it then you cannot close it you bring an elephant to sit on top of it to close it <laughs> right yeah yeah um so since you are stuffing your body with energy and there is a surplus of energy you have to produce a lot of insulin and when you produce a lot of insulin automatically forget about the determinal effect of blood sugar insulin itself affects your heart okay this is a very important information i want to share okay okay now going back to this glucagon insulin story uh i i i i would like to ask a very logical question let's take me for example 91 kilograms 26% body fat now which means that i have uh, i don't know maybe uh, 22 23 kilograms of fat on me still yeah assuming that let's be you know kind to me and uh, let, let let us assume that i am allowed to have uh, 13 kilograms of fat yeah okay i still have 10 excess kilograms of fat on me right yeah so each kilogram of fat is about 10000 calories mm-hmm. 10000 kilocalories mm-hmm. right so i have 100000 kilocalories of energy in me just i am i am a walking saranabhavan <laughs> yeah right i am i am a walking mcdonalds i have 100000 calories just in my body right yeah assuming that we will be lenient and not think about the other 13 kilograms of fat yeah it begs the question why does this organism still feel hungry organism as in you right yeah Let, let's say that you have a bank balance of uh, a few uh, few hundred thousand dollars and yet you are walking around the street looking to collect money it begs the question right why 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 is this person doing that yep that is correct right now if you solve this problem you will solve the obesity problem the the biggest fear associated with the obesity problem people think that oh i have to fast i can't eat i will be hungry i will be miserable and all that so the reason why i brought that question out is because i wanted to make the point that the reason why i carry 1 1 lakh or 100000 calories and i still feel hungry is because my body has not developed the mechanisms to withdraw from that deposit yeah just like how you teach somebody arabic or hindi or sanskrit or teach them to multiply you can teach your body to withdraw from that deposit and that right. that teaching is the ability to for the glucagon to work in a insulin free environment or oh, yes correct right. in a calm environment without hyperinsulinemia if you give your body enough time then your glucagon will start coming out and then it will slowly build pathways to go and get the energy from your adipose tissues and then your blood sugar will not fall very interesting my blood sugar is constantly my postprandial blood sugar is about 80 to 82 to 85 milligrams per deciliter 
<clears throat> my fasting blood sugar is about 75 milligrams per deciliter. Okay? And I walk 15 kilometers a day, no problem. I work out really hard, no problem. You, you are not tired, you are not weak. Your body just adjusts. Got it. And this is the final frontier in my opinion, short of any dramatic surgery. This is the final frontier in losing weight to control your hormones. Or in other words, you start controlling your hormones, your mind changes. Correct. Your mind changes. Yeah, correct. Or in, so if I have to summarize this from my understanding, Rancha, mm. you are essentially training your body to wait for the insulin decay to take place so that there is an insulin, call it deficiency in the system, so that there is an intermittent hunger pang that starts that creates glucagon to come into action to create the energy from the fat, as opposed to putting the next bite into your uh, stomach and again getting the insulin spike. Is that a fair Correct. way to say this? Correct. Interesting. Interesting. So in the, there are very, yeah. very easy, pain-free ways to train the body. You don't have to be hungry at all. So I want to talk about that as a next step, you know, uh, <laughs> on that one. So uh, runners, this is an interesting thing, right? This, uh, this, uh, this notion of glucagon getting into action and creating the second energy source. If you think about it, like when we have discussed in the past, which is the second wind, the runner gets a second wind after 10 miles or so when you get exhausted. And we have had discussions where I've told you, just continue for some more time and you will suddenly get a second wind where you get the energy back. And now I'm kind of tying that to this. Essentially what has happened is you're gone very low on energy. The body is trying to see uh, if there is some quick energy that the body will get and we are not putting anything because we are continuous to run. And then suddenly glucagon start of uh, creates the energy from the fat and that is the fat burning run phase, which I've told a lot of times. So which is very interesting that uh, this is connected to that. Uh, good, Ramcha. So now let us talk about the, the last question. Uh, what can we do about it? How do we get this glucagon uh, to sort of start acting on our body? Okay, so just uh, <clears throat> I want to say something regarding your second wind. Yep. <clears throat> One easy way to do, uh, to test, I always believe in measurement, Bala. Yeah. Because I have heard enough of these cock and bull stories. I have wasted enough of my time, <laughs> you know, creating these stories. You know, I have a drop of honey in warm water, the morning <laughs> kind of stories. So unless I can measure it, I am not willing to believe it. Yeah. Okay. So take a simple keto meter, it's available. And you can take a simple prick, prick your finger and test for ketones and you will see that you are starting to burn fat. Wait, wait, wait. I'm actually, you, you lost me now. What, what is keto and what is ketones you're talking about? We never discussed okay. ketones. Ketones are, are basically, by, okay, when your body uses fat as a, as a source of energy, it breaks it down into ketones and uh, only your brain needs glucose all the time. Your brain can also function with fat, with ketones, but your brain needs some amount of glucose. Your body can produce that glucose, no problem. But most of the other muscles can just run on fat. Your body is intelligent enough. Think about this. Your body can run on fat. Okay? So when you are converting fat, when glucagon is working, and when you are converting fat into energy, just like how when you eat sugar, that sugar is converted into energy and you can check your blood sugar with a blood glucometer. <clears throat> you can check for converted ketones. 
that have entered into your bloodstream with the ketone meter. Interesting. So the presence of ketone is <laughs> another way of saying that glucagon is now acting in your body and fat is being burnt. That's the main point. Yes. Unless you are consuming exogenous ketones, which I hope no one does. Yes. Unless you are drinking a bottle of ketones. Yeah, got it. So you are saying that as a person who believes in metrics now and not believing in any grandma stories, when you start measuring your ketones, you are realizing that whatever you are doing to get the glucagon active, so to speak, you are able to actually measure by metrics that yes, glucagon is getting active for, from whatever you are doing, which is what I'm assuming you're going to say. What is it that we yes. need to do to get the and, glucagon and, active? And I'm going, to, I'm going to tie that to a bigger point, which is a psychological point. Okay. The reason why most people fail is because they don't see results. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you can't expect to become thinner in one week, but people do expect that they want to see something happening, but nothing happens. Yeah. So they just give in, you know, they say, okay, you know, I'll just have one more uh, donut in the morning. Not that a donut is bad or good. Let's not get into that. But they just spike up their insulin. But this gives instantaneous result of what is happening so that you can keep your faith in the system. Got it. Got it. You can keep your faith in the process. Got it. This is great, Ramcha. So let us now come to the last question so that we can sort of tie up all okay. these things and then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end this uh, podcast. Okay. Um, talk to us about, you know, if I have to summarize this very important discussion, first of all, thank you for that great discussion. The way I would summarize it in these two or three simple points. If you have insulin in the body, then you're not burning fat. The more insulin you have, the more insulin resistance you, uh, the body uh, sort of becomes in that way. There is a lot more and more insulin is constantly present in the body. As a result of that, the best friend or the alternative, uh, you know, should I say the alternate uh, ego of, uh, alter ego of insulin is glucagon, which is the hormone that we want the body to trigger because it burns fat and provides the energy. And as it burns fat, it creates ketones. And the ketone is sort of, I don't know, I'm going to call it a byproduct of burning fat, which is sort of uh, another energy source. And you can measure, if you measure ketones, that means your glucagon is functioning, that means you're burning fat, which is what fundamentally the objective of uh, generally, you know, all the runners who want to lose weight, for instance. So that is how I would summarize it. So my final question to you is, how do we do this? How do we get glucagon uh, to be active in the body? <laughs> Okay, so I will say something very important, just like how I said insulin is toxic. I want to say something even more important. The biggest problem that I faced in this journey is this idea of this personal failing, you know, not enough willpower, you know, you're not disciplined, no pain, no gain, and all these things. But the, the reality of the matter is you cannot will your way out of a chemical in your body. Okay. So I want people to understand that those who cannot lose fat is it is not because they are bad people. It is not because they are weaker than the next person. It is not because of any of that. It is because of chemicals in their body and they have to control those chemicals. And if they control those chemicals, their brain itself will change. Their outlook itself will change. Now, having said that, let us come back to the question that you asked. Yeah. There is only one sacrifice the person has to do. I just ask them for only one thing. And if they can do that thing, everything else 
will follow automatically okay that one thing is you have to stop eating sugar and processed flour okay that is the only thing you have to do you cannot eat sugar or flour processed flour okay so that means white flour and the reason for that is it keeps it keeps hammering your pancreas it keeps increasing your insulin to such levels that it becomes almost a fool's errand to try to do the other thing while this is happening interesting so you right? you so the sugar cut off is something that we uh, just so you know ramcha uh, that is something that we i had may asked our team to do and pretty much uh, 90% of the audience uh, some uh, some people try to cheat here and there but 90% of the audience are following that already for the last 6 weeks so which is something they would love it and you are saying the sugar spike causes an insulin spike and then the rest of the things that we discussed follows so that is i understand the sugar side what is the deal yeah. about this flour because you know flour is also processed almost it is near to sugar Okay, white okay. white flour. What do you mean, like uh, so? They... Uh, white flour in the sense, you know, the thing that they used to make white bread with. I see. Or uh, parotta, or uh, even uh, dare I say chapati, or uh, you know uh, cookies. You mean all of these flour causes an insulin spike? Is basically what you're saying? Of course, you know, if anyone has any doubt, just ask them to look up the glycemic index of that particular flour. I see. So what's the connection right. between glycemic index and the insulin spike or uh... glycemic index basically tells you what is the uh, how, how what is the the impact it will have on your insulin insulin system on your hormonal system got it so the lower the glycemic okay, I'll give you an example bala yeah let us say that i have a pillow and a needle right i have a pillow a pillow is say 1 kilogram a needle is about 10 grams right yeah i push the pillow on to one thigh and i push the needle on to another thigh the needle will pierce because it is more impactful yep right similarly there are foods that will pierce your system that will release a lot of energy instantaneously interesting and causes an insulin spike yeah such foods are usually they have high glycemic index correct what is your thought about this can't keep eating little little every 2 hours or something that means insulin is always the there in the body we thought measure yourself do that experiment convince yourself uh yeah glucometer is ketometer is cheap you have a weighing scale you have a tape measure so you are saying eating continuously 5 6 times a week a day is only going to keep the insulin levels sort of high in the body is your yes, point yes 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 and uh, i heard someone say that people like to hear good things about their bad habits <laughs> so usually when someone says you know drink a bit of honey in the morning everybody tom dick and harry wants to follow that and they want to believe it you know why it tastes good <laughs> yeah it feels good to do it <laughs> so, so so what i'm saying is don't take my word for it conduct an experiment on yourself got it so i'm just like see, you know i'm just trying to see because you conducted your experiments yourself what have you learned is my question rather uh, yes people can conduct the experiment and test it but in your learnings after doing the experiment uh, the ketone test and all that just let's make it simple so you are saying that by constantly eating every 2 2 3 3 4 4 hours or whatever like we do a breakfast then a lunch and in between snack and all that even though it could be like you know non sugar and all that we still have insulin 
that decay of insulin is never taking place in the body and hence glucagon never comes into play. That's really the, the logical way I'm looking at whatever you're saying. Is that fair? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. And when, when you have trained your system to use glucagon, and trust me, you don't have to fast to do that, okay? You All you have to do is cut down sugar and cut down white flour, and what will happen is normally your insulin will come down, right? If you don't take sugar or uh, white flour, your insulin levels will be low. If you maintain this lifestyle for three or four months, automatically your glucagon pathways will become more and more dominant. Got it. This very and even when your blood sugar wants to go down, it will not go down because now glucagon will start working and start supplying the required energy. So you won't get headache, you won't become irritable. You won't feel hunger, and, pangs and all that basically, right? Yeah, and it will become a joke. Yeah. I recently fasted for seven days, water only fast, okay? Wow. Most peaceful experience I have ever had. I was just looking at the world, like uh, almost in, at a meditative state. No problem. And I checked my blood sugar constantly, 80, 75, no problem. Wow. So glucagon is kind of in full action that time, burning uh, yes. fat and giving you the and, energy. And here's the thing. People are scared because they think that, oh, I will be miserable. How can I be... Uh, how can I not eat for seven days? Just drink water for seven days. How can how can I do that? Uh, people have all these ideas of about things that they have not experienced. Got it. So so let's bring it home, uh, Ramcha. Uh, just uh, you know, I want to end uh, in a in a sort of a summary note. <laughs> From uh, what can we do? You know, if I have to summarize, what can we do? Of course, sugar cutting we already discussed. Uh, actually, I have one other one more question before I summarize. Let us say I eat, you know, um, a five-star bar that is 2,000 calories, okay? Okay. And I eat a ball of broccoli that is 2,000 calories. Mm. What is happening? Why is it that it's okay to eat a ball of uh, broccoli that is 2,000 calories, but a five-star bar, bar is bad from all the discussions we have had? Because it, is more, it has more impact on your body. It is, a, it is a sharper food. It releases energy instantaneously. What is the difference between me hitting you with a with a soft uh, pillow and me hitting you with a stick? Why does the stick break your bones? Got it. So you are saying that it is the surge in energy causes a surge yes. in insulin. If the energy release is slow and smooth, then insulin releases. There is no surge. And that is why yes. if you have a ground processed starch and like the, the, the atta, then it gives you a quick energy release as opposed to, uh, you know, a non-grounded white flour, basically. That's yes. what you're saying. Got it, got it. Okay, so I want to summarize, just say, uh, if uh, people who want to say, of course, we are not saying that you guys need to do seven days of fasting right away. That is, that's the next step. First is to understand this beautiful interplay between insulin and glycogon causing one does fat uh, addition, one does fat reduction but you need the second one to come into play. And for that, you need to get the first one out of play. Well, that means you can't constantly keep eating. You got to give some fasting. I think that's where the intermittent fasting and all that comes into play these days. And try to give, try to eat low glycemic food as much as you can so that the release of intensity of energy is low so that insulin spike is low. That is the third uh, summary point I have. And then uh, I know uh, in your case, Ramcha, how many times in a day you eat? How many times a day I eat? Yeah. Once. You just eat once. That's it. That's all. You, you're basically doing a 24-hour uh, 
uh, intermittent fasting. Yeah, I do a 23 hour fast every day. Got it. And what do you eat now? I eat uh, mostly natural food. I see. Uh, vegetables, some, some amount of rice and uh, cheese. Once in a while I eat eggs. Um, Pure. Just normal South Indian food, but I don't consume uh, this dosa, idli, uh, things like that, any, made out of batter. Yeah, any white flour, got it. So do you have yeah. a, you already reached the 90s kgs, are you, do you have any target in mind in terms of like... Uh, or... I want to look like a god, I want to look like a god, <laughs> a Greek god. Greek god, with that happy note. I, I'm, I too want to do. I'm sure all of us uh, do send us a picture of your uh, early days and now and hopefully very soon a Greek God picture. How about that, Ramcha? Uh, let's, yes, yes. Let's make that happen. Please also send us your YouTube link. Uh, I would love for our uh, audience to take a look at it. And audience, okay. I'm, I'm hoping that you enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot. Uh, in Ramcha and I'm sure I'll bring him in for some dog training uh, discussion. Yes, that is another equally fascinating discussion we can have with Ramcha. Uh, I heard that in Germany some newspapers are calling him for a, for a, some kind of a, a press interview with him and that I mean I'm really excited Ramcha. Congratulations. Congratulations on your journey. You have inspired you. so many people. You inspired me and I'm hoping you're going to inspire a lot of people who are listening right now. Um, okay, Bala, I just want to say one more thing before we end. Yep, go for it. Maybe I'm repeating myself, but it is worth repeating. Go. Being obese is not a personal failing, it is a chemical problem. Great. That's a, that's a wonderful way of... Uh... Uh, uh, putting it in and also guys this is not just about obese right you know we talk about obesity as if uh, you know only the highest we just showed Ramcha's example that if Ramcha can go but every one of us have, want to lose a couple of uh, weight or they have we have some some goals like that like I have a goal to come uh, reduce by another 10 pounds and I've been trying forever I, it's not that easy and now I'm going to try this um, I'm sure many of you have some five pound reduction weights and that type of stuff. So it's a, it's a good thing to think about. And uh, yeah, thank you, Ramcha. I think that's a very, very nice, very nice way. And thank you for your time. I know it's late, uh, your time. But, uh, you know, I know I can always count on you. Um, thank you, buddy. Okay, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you.